The Revelry Room is Chattanooga's newest 500-capacity venue and also Track 29's Kid Sister Venue, located on Station Street on the south side of Chattanooga, hosting national, regional, and local talent in a more intimate setting. Check out the Revelry Room calendar at www.revelryroom.co and join our street team, the Dispatchers, to be even more a part of bringing music to Chattanooga. I have actually been on the street team for a couple of years now. I get to go to cool events and get show tickets for free. It's also a great way to meet other people who love music. If you would like more information, feel free to ask. You are listening to Open Mic Spotlight with Heather Lee Holt. Open Mic Spotlight is a weekly podcast featuring intimate conversations and performances with musicians and artists from Chattanooga and the surrounding areas. Take a closer look at all the wonderful talent and culture the Chattanooga music scene has to offer. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic Spotlight. Today we have Shaughnessy here. Hi, Shaughnessy. Hello. Afternoon. How are you doing today? Wonderful. Awesome. Super wonderful. (laughs) So why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I consider myself a Chattanoogan. Been here since 97, roughly. So I claim this is my home. And I've had an opportunity over the years to be involved with the city as it's grown, especially artistically. And so that's been pretty fun to see, different music mm-hmm. and artistic venues coming in and people doing more of that. Um, so something like this even, this is pretty mm-hmm. cool. I don't know. Thank you. I'm sure at some point someone tried to do something similar, but I think it's nice that we have opportunity to do more of these things in our area. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, I enjoy doing that. I've been able to do a lot of open mic stuff over the years, going to open mics, then being able to host some and getting to know more people on a one-on-one level, mm-hmm. and then being able to get them involved with other venues and, and projects that other people are doing. So I enjoy that a lot. Connecting people. Yeah, like collaboration, I think, is pretty important. Oh, yeah. And it's just fun, selfishly kind of fun to do. So I can relate to that. I feel like I do a lot of that myself, trying to connect people. Oh, and that's, that's so, so beneficial, even if it's not a money-making thing. We were talking before mm-hmm. we started. Mm-hmm. You're not making money at this yet, mm-hmm. and you may not make personally make money at it, but the opportunity to get people together and involved and hearing about music they wouldn't normally hear about and meet musicians that they're not going to maybe always meet face-to-face, that's bonus. That's everything, you know? And you, know, you never know what this could lead to. Maybe this won't ever make money, but it could lead to other things that are, you know amazing so it's not always about you know and yeah, you're getting to make other people feel special yes too yes you know musicians saying oh you know I, I do these songs i think they're good but wow that's so cool to be able to share this with other people and for you to say hey will you come on and do this and that makes me feel special yeah. i feel special and warm and it's so nice to let people in chattanooga hear all the great musicians that we have in town mm-hmm. and artists in general there's a lot so what what's your day job I work, I've always worked for nonprofits mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So I kind of, I resonate with that. I kind of have a heart for that. So right now I have two nonprofits that I work for, and that's the Epilepsy Foundation, where we do a variety of things for free to assist people who have epilepsy, mm-hmm. try to help, help them live as normal and as balanced of a life as possible, despite some setbacks with seizures. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy that a lot. I get to do that. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of kids. I've seen. There's a fair amount with children, so we'll go into schools and do presentations or uh-huh. health fairs to uh-huh. let them know, one, that there's this foundation that works with people that they may know. or Bringing awareness, know. yeah. A lot of awareness. A lot of it then is going into the classroom to be able to help a kid who's maybe having seizures in the classroom, mm-hmm. talk to the students that are around them to say, here's how you can help your friend. It's not really that big of a deal. They're going to be okay. Take some stigma away from it. It's so um, nice. So that's very enjoyable. One other thing's running support groups for the Epilepsy Foundation and helping mm-hmm. with some fundraising. And then I also work for a place called The Well, uh-huh. which is where I get to do some open mic uh-huh. and then also work with the kids there. It's a church, another nonprofit. And so I get to work with our kids and our families yeah. at The Well. I see a lot of um, I see a lot of kid photos on your Facebook wall and they're always so adorable. <laughs> which would probably look a lot weirder if I didn't work. 
with kids. I wonder about that sometimes. Like, <laughs> no. I don't know what I do. It might it's, look kind of weird. No, it doesn't. I, like, I have stuffed animals at my house in my living room. And so sometimes <laughs> I'll, I'll just tell people, just so you know, I, I don't have kids. You've noticed that, but I... I work with kids. That's why I have stuff. This animals. is not a Michael Jackson kind of thing. There's no, hey, there's no was, fair in my backyard. He was acquitted first off. <laughs> he was. I love Michael Jackson for everything. R.I.P. <laughs> so you um, host an open mic right now at the Well every Monday. Mm-hmm. Every Monday. And night. it's a little different than the other open mics in town, which it should be, because you don't want the same thing all the time. And what uh, I've been one time i've been wanting to go back more but you know time finds hard, a way to leave to us out every night yeah um but i really love how it's such a variety of different um performing arts it's not just singing and instruments when it's not just um you know singing with a guitar which mm-hmm. is a lot of the open mics in town it's all kinds of instruments and there's poetry and a lot of poetry a lot yeah. of poetry probably at least at least have sometimes more because for poets there might be poetry groups or clubs that get together but to do something like that in front of people you don't know is a little more rare because yeah. you're not going to go to a bar and do poetry or tell stories because people yeah. are there to eat and drink and mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a more vibrant yeah. atmosphere so yeah. that's one thing that i i've grown to appreciate more and more i'm not a poet i don't really have a deep love of reading even so some of those more literary things were harder for me to get into Mm -hmm. but a friend of mine christian collier who's very into that and very good at it that was kind of my gateway drug into like oh man poetry is pretty powerful oh it's so powerful um especially some of the people around here and some of the issues that they'll talk about with poetry there's no music behind it to distract or draw you in it's it's the raw realness of the words Mm -hmm. And some of those stories or in some of those causes are so powerful. And how they're spoken, the way they speak them and the emphasis and how it's crazy. It's good. So good. Yeah. So good. So we get to, to do a lot of that because it's a, a venue on Monday nights where if you're coming, you're coming for the poetry, oh, yeah. the there's music. No, there's no bar. I mean, you guys have drinks and snacks in the back, but when usually you take the time, you take a break and go have a snack. It's not, you know. Right. Try to make sure people are there to, to kind listen. of listen and kind of share. Mm-hmm. So it's a little more feedback driven too. We'll talk a little bit after people do something, but yeah, yeah it's Which fun. Which is really, really nice. You know, it's very art focused. There you go. I love it. Why don't we stop talking for a second and <laughs> let's hear one of your original songs. And if you'll just introduce, introduce it and tell us a little bit about it. All right. Well, I'll start with an easy one that's called Chattanooga. So since we're here in Chattanooga, just talking very about nice. the cool things that are happening in our town. And this was about six years ago when I had been here for 12, 13 years, or a little, little more than that, actually. Um, and it looked like I was going to be moving. There was an opportunity to move up to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And actually, that ended up happening, and I was gone for four years. So a few months before I was going to move, it was a snowy day, one of these rare days where you had snow, so there was no work. And this was just a big deal. So I very rarely do I feel inspired to write a song. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of to force myself to, but there, there was the snow kind of looking out. I knew I was going to be leaving pretty soon, love the city. And so that was kind of my inspiration, my ode mm-hmm. to Chattanooga. Chattanooga, one of the sweetest names that I've ever known. Chattanooga, one of the only places I've called home. I see the mountains rise so high, the snow outside today is so wide. The people here make up my Some of us think some of us don't belong 
saying how you were thinking about moving. Mm-hmm. Did you know that you would come back if you did move away? Yeah, I felt pretty strongly that I would probably want to return here one day. The place I moved to, I loved. had a great time up there. met a lot of great people who I'm close with now and keep in touch with. But Chattanooga was so pivotal to me from late high school. And then I came here for college, but I knew about the city and the area, and I was very intrigued by it late in high school. So when I came for college, ever since then, it was just an area where I met some of my best friends, where those relationships grew exponentially, where we're still close 20 years later. It was a place where I got to try many things that I thought maybe were cool in the past. Um, Things that I, you know, I thought, well, no one would probably let me do that or try that, whether it was just planning events or organizing things musically or artistically, that I had no business really doing, but I was in Chattanooga and there was open doors that would Mm -hmm. happen. Um, So being able to do a number of things where I feel like I was able to grow as a person and then grow professionally um, and grow musically. Man, yeah, I'm gonna come back to this town one day. So it was great to come back a couple years ago. Um, Wrote that song when I thought that I was leaving. Maybe I'll come back one day, but man, I wanna enjoy this time for what it is. Then when I moved back, I actually added a third verse to the song because it wasn't too shortly after I moved back that tragedy hit in South Carolina. And that was in South Carolina, but I noticed a response here in town that stood out to me. It was mostly from black churches, some Hispanic churches. They were kind of the main drivers of responding to the shooting that happened in a church. And that struck me for the first time, even though things like that have happened before, it struck me that people who did not have any personal connection, maybe on a friendship connection or family connection to people that, you know, hundreds of miles away, they responded here and said, we've got to do something. We're going to do marches and we're going to do um, peace walks through our neighborhoods. We're going to do prayer vigils and candlelight vigils and all this. That noticed how my church and other white churches, it just wasn't that big of a deal. It was still a tragedy and people were affected by it, but there was not really much of a response. They didn't step up. Yeah. It, It seemed so, so little, so weak. But there were people who really resonated and really wanted to show this support for someone else and even tangible support. And so I thought, okay, well, yeah, the city's not perfect. We're not everything to everyone. We can't be involved in every cause that takes place. Yeah. But I'm proud of my city for what it's doing, proud of the people in it, and I see where there's more need. But then like two months later, well, we got attacked. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these guys were shot down. And so then you saw the city pour out at that time across the board. Black churches, white churches, civic groups, you know. Everybody. Everyone. Everybody came together. Um, and so that was that was neat to see. And it was overwhelmingly a positive thing. Oh, but yeah. then you also had some, and you just saw, I just saw a little bit on social media, and I'd hear a little bit on the corners. 
but of people now saying, okay, well, maybe maybe these Muslims or you know maybe that group here in town. Mostly, though, it was overwhelmingly not focused on that. So I came back and actually wrote the third verse to that song, and we did this series at the well called Objective Perspective, mm-hmm. where it was discussing some of these issues and tension that arises when you have a majority group, and then there's a minority group. And as the minority group gains in prominence, the majority group feels threatened. Mm-hmm. And what's the tension caused by that? Some of it's race-related, some of it's religious-related, some of it's marriage equality-related. Whatever it is, when the minority starts to gain prominence, there's extra friction. And we looked at some of those issues. And so kind of through that whole thing anyway, came back and wrote the third verse to the song. that's so powerful that you do that at the well. I mean, it just gets people talking and communicating about how they're feeling. And I feel like... The world would be a much better place if everyone knew how to communicate how they were feeling. That's one of the most basic things that everyone does and that most of us do poorly, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially nowadays. Everything is, you know, like three-word text. (laughs) Sure, yeah. Yeah. We kind of dumb things down. But sometimes less is more. Yeah. Um, But also our listening goes to a lesser and when you listen less, that never leads to more yeah. positive results. I feel like it, music is so powerful in the sense of both sides of that. It just helps people to listen more and be able to communicate better, I feel like. you know, The arts are so powerful. I think comedy is the first one that comes to mind where you oh, can yeah. say something that you couldn't say uh-huh. in a non-comedic format but you can say it and people might laugh even if they're offended by it even if they're like oh hey you just called me out but you kind of get it out and it at least provides a talking point music has the same ability to do that kind of thing the arts in general Mm -hmm. it's a less abrasive attacking form that can still hit real issues so when people step up and tackle real issues whether i don't think it's real or not whether i can't personally relate to it or not but they say this is real that's happening around me and now i'm using my art to get it out I mean, I, I want to support those people mm-hmm. um, so strongly, so passionately. When it's love songs are fine, that's still a real issue. Or just talking about how great you are. Okay, those are still issues. And that's <laughs> art is a release for that too. But when people go be, you know, even a step beyond that to say, here's things happening in real life all around us. And I want my music or my poetry or my comedy to address that so that we can talk about it. Man, that's powerful. It is, and and that's the hardest, you know, because it's it's not only going to it's not just about you at that point. It's about everything around. So it's you know it leaves the person putting themselves out there up for attack at that point. Sure, so that's why. And I wish I could follow that up with saying, and so here's the song I wrote because of that. But I don't. My, the stuff I wrote is very tame and very safe. Well, um, so I want to push myself to do better. Do you have a cover? or? I do. I could sing a cover about war, yeah. which is a real issue. Yeah. But it's yeah. this is a New Order song that was then covered by Iron and Wine. Oh, I've just come from the land of the sun from a war that must be won in the name of truth with our soldiers so brave your freedom we will save with our rifles and grenades and some help from God I want to see my family my wife and child waiting for me I've got to go home I've been so alone you
child waiting for me I've got to go home, I've been so alone My wife, she laid up on the floor And with tears her eyes did soar I did not know why Then I looked into her hand And I saw the telegram It said that I was a brave, brave man But that I was dead child waiting for me I've got to go home I've been so alone you see I want to see my family my wife and child waiting for me I've got to go home I've been so alone Before you were doing the open mic at the well, before you started that, which was just within the last year. Roughly, yeah. It's been about a year and a half. Um, I actually met you for the first time when you were filling in for Mike McDade um, hosting open mic at Tremont. That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, they were kind enough to let us come over through the Epilepsy Foundation, my connection there, we went and kind of did an Epilepsy Awareness Night mm -hmm. at Tremont. You did. And uh, Mike said, well, hey, if you're going to come over, you want to just host? I'm like, oh, well, yeah, cool, I'll do that. And Mike, I love. That oh, was, yeah, he's great. That's probably the first person that I actually got to know who did this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the way he does it is so encouraging and consistent. He's there every week. And, um, you know, everybody says the same thing mm -hmm. about him. Everybody, how great he is. <laughs> love the guy. Yeah. L love him. And so he w I mean, he was great going and seeing him every week at Tremont Tavern when they first started, like almost 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and how encouraging he was. I was like, oh, that's Coming up fun. on 10 years in November. Okay. So it's, it's about to hit 10. Mm -hmm. There we go. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, that was, that was really fun to get to know him through that and see how he did things and be like, man, there's a lot more power in open mic than just... I've got something that I want to go do and here's my song and hopefully people like it. That's important. That's mm -hmm. great. But there was something more to it. There was a group of people who you'd see on a regular basis mm -hmm. who support each other and who would go play each other's shows and go sit in on each other's shows. Um, a lot of networking. A lot, a lot of networking. And then you started to see just like a, a real cool little support group. Family. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. It's kind of sounded cheesy at first, but then like, no, like I have some really good friends from that thing. So that's what we want to create on Monday nights at the Wells. And I think you are. I hope really? so. Yeah, don't, it's not just come in and play my song and leave. If that's all you can do and that's what you want to do, that's still mm -hmm. beneficial. But I want you to come in and sit down. Let's share some food together. Let's share some stories. Let's share your music. But let's and figure out how we can collaborate and mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it's definitely an advantage of that kind of world. Yeah. Of open mic stuff. Have you attended any other open mics in town? When I first came back, there were a couple more going. Ryan Oyer was doing one over at the Honest Pint, which mm -hmm. was cool to see because I'd met him through an open mic at Mud Pie okay. 10 years ago yeah. that I was able to be involved with and host, and I got mm -hmm. to know him through that. So it was cool to see him hosting one and all the things he's doing musically. 
and how he's grown. Oh man, it's awesome. <laughs> and of course, now that one's not going on currently. Yeah. Um, it's actually I went for the first time a couple weeks ago to Stone Cup. Just happened to be they there. They have one. And they started doing one on oh, okay. Tuesday, like every other Tuesday night. Okay. Early. How was that? There were just a few people, but it's nice. It's in the upstairs portion. Yeah. It over, You look through and see um, right there on Coolidge Park and uh-huh. kind of where the river is. So yeah. it's a neat view behind you. And it, it was a small little group. But Did they was... have a PA set up? Mm-hmm. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very cool. So that, was, that was fun. So um, back to you. <laughs> Please, if we uh. can talk about me more. <laughs> um, who are your musical influences, do you think? The most powerful ones. For style and kind of probably songwriting ripoff sake, I love Iron and Wine. Love Sam Beam a lot. Um, so I'll find myself, I listen to a lot of that. I'm like, man, I feel really inspired to write a song mm-hmm. just like Iron and Wine. Like, oh, okay, I probably need to diversify a little bit. Um, but style is probably him a lot. And then a person who I grew up kind of idolizing, who lived in my hometown, went to, or kind of lived in my hometown, he went to a school in my area. He was several years older than me. His name was John Ringhofer. And John was just a very quirky, very friendly and kind of outgoing, but just, he was just different. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, oh, you seem like a, a cool guy. Um, I knew he played guitar and played music, but I didn't really know much about it other than when I became a freshman or sophomore at the high school I was going to, I had a job in our, it was near our campus, like a little industry job. There was like a carpet factory mm-hmm. and a glue something factory. And, and I was working in there one day cleaning. I found these old boxes of old yearbooks and I'm going through a yearbook and I found one from his senior year, <clears throat> which was just a few years earlier, but it seemed so old and dusty mm-hmm. and like, I was uncovering something extremely valuable and I'm flipping through it and I saw a picture of him and a couple of his buddies in a field. And it was this very like early 90s band photo mm-hmm. style. They're in a kind of a field looking off to the side and it said The, the Print. <laughs> and that was their band name, The Print. So I was like, oh man, John had a band. And so we started a band my senior year. And a lot of it was because, well, I knew John did one. And so then time goes on. I graduate high school. I ended up getting to, to hang out with him more once I came to college. He lived here in the Chattanooga area. And then I got to hear him play more often. So he has a very cool one-man band where he does all the instrumentation. I mean, he'll record 20 layers, 20 tracks of just him playing. And most songs are under two minutes long. Uh, and so it just a, it's a very cool song. You, you won't hear much like John Ringhofer. It's really interesting. So in high school, though, you weren't friends with him or anything. No, you just I, knew just, of him. I just knew of him, kind of seen him before. Yeah. I thought, man, what a cool mm-hmm. guy. And so, I mean, as far as someone being influential, he had no clue he was being influential. Mm-hmm. Not like he was meeting with me once a week. We would eat lunch together and we would <laughs> talk about stories. He was just kind of doing his thing and he just didn't know who I was. Um, so if you were to Google half-handed cloud... You'll find, you know, seven or eight albums of just the quirkiest, That's most unique music. Maybe I'll have though. him on the show one day. <laughs> It'd be so cool. Um, <laughs> he's great, though, John Ringhofer. So that, that was a, big, a very big influence. Other than, like, uh, people I don't know in real life, I just grew up listening to, who I loved were the Beatles and Bob Marley. So the Beatles, just because of their style and the melodies, like, man, that's so fun, pop music. And then their later stuff actually started to talk about things other than just love songs. But it was mostly just kind of weird. So it was mm-hmm. more stylistic. Bob Marley, again, because of the style, and it just like, oh, it sounds so great. I, I like the way, the vibe of it. And then listening to some of his not as commercially successful things that were talking about issues where he was from. And so just I don't know, kind of seeing different musicians, how they would use music, yes, to sell records. Mm-hmm. Yes, for fun and put a smile on your face, but also it was something about an issue taking place. So I'd love to be able to do that. To use it art as a tool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So yeah, those are some influential very nice. Um, so if someone were trying to find your music, where would they find it? Everywhere. No, really, <laughs> really nowhere. Except if you go on Reverb Nation. Okay. Reverb Nation. And that's why I have a profile there that has a handful of songs that are online. Awesome. Under my name, Shaughnessy Cargill. And, I, and a couple of years ago, before I moved from Chattanooga, I, I recorded my own little CD mm-hmm. off my Mac. Because I knew other people who did that really well. Mm-hmm. And I did not do it very well. <laughs> But I had a little little recording there because I thought that'd be kind of fun to do. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so why don't you play us another one of your songs? All right. I'll do that. This is called Boxes. Boxes. 
What's it about? The wording of it is the only like, well, I've probably written two songs that are about relationship. Because mm-hmm. I've wanted to stay away from that because I feel like it was too easy. Mm-hmm. And probably because I just don't have very many good relationships to write about or even <laughs> bad ones to write about. So this one sounds like it's a relationship between a man and a woman or but between a couple, uh-huh. but it's it's not quite that. Okay. When all of the boxes have come off the tracks and I know we won't be back this way again it's funny for so long I've held you so dear I'm not sure how easy this break will be you told me your story You said sing along You sing it so eerily clear But someone else told me That love forces none To sing why they don't wanna felt just like home but I'm not sure that home's supposed to feel like this dear I've been told there's times that I'll yearn for this train and though it may have hurt me I'll search for the pain you told me your story You said sing along You sang it so eerily clear But someone else told me The love force is none To sing why they don't wanna
love love songs and relationship songs. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm all about it. Nice. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> and I definitely like songs that you kind of have to like think about, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's one of them. I hope so. Definitely. Um, so you've been here basically besides a few years since 97. Yeah. Um, the Chattanooga music scene and Chattanooga as a whole has completely changed since then. Just, it seems like it. I, I just, don't know what it was like before then. I mean, just completely blown up, I feel like. You know, as as in most towns, there's always change. But I feel like Chattanooga, especially with, you know, the gig and Volkswagen and Amazon has just kind of grown up and blew up really fast, I feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, can you talk about some of the changes that you've seen for the good or not so good or whatever from 97 until today. So one... That is very vague. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's better for me. Yeah, definitely one big positive. In 1997, and I had just kind of become acclimated to town a little bit, but I was going to school in Collegedale. Mm -hmm. Small little town, not coming downtown that often. And downtown at that time really wasn't... I mean, it's way better now. You know, oh, I mean, I think the on only bar back then was Big River, right? I mean, <laughs> there may have been other couple bars, <laughs> a few other there. little ones, but, but there wasn't tons going on yeah. downtown as far as like drawing people into yeah. the city. You know, it's much better now. But uh-huh. anyway, at that time, still though, for me to go into downtown Chattanooga felt kind of cool because I was from a little town, not that little, but there wasn't much going on in Calhoun, Georgia. So <laughs> Chattanooga, Tennessee is like, oh, it's pretty fun, the downtown. And, uh-huh. You know, Hamilton Place and a mall and all these mm-hmm. places to eat. But downtown was a little unknown for me. So we came down one time because I heard there was an open mic. I thought, man, open mic would be so fun to play at. I've never played at one. I probably won't play at it, but it would be so cool to hear music. And we drove around what felt like forever because there were one-way streets. And you didn't have didn't internet know. to, like, look it up. Yeah, to, like, it was you just, were just trying to figure find out. the address somehow. <laughs> and there wasn't internet. Some there people were, were using the internet, but I was using There the was no GPS. Yeah. So it was kind of like, well, I just kind of feel it out. But I'd heard about the Blue Angel Cafe, okay. which had been around for a few years. They did live music. Somehow I just happened to walk in one night on a Saturday night with some friends, you know, exploring all the things of downtown. This is on the North Shore. Mm-hmm. So Blue Angel Cafe is now Brujas. Mm-hmm. It was in that little area. There was not much on the North Shore at that time. Coolidge Park was hadn't been around for a while there weren't all these great shops and mm-hmm. this trendy kind of area they hadn't renovated tremont street mm-hmm. definitely no tremont tavern you know so blue angel cafe though was this place and i walked in and it was so fun people were there drinking coffee at night and it wasn't like waffle house drinking coffee at night which is where we would go where mm-hmm. i was from to go do something at night a whole different kind of setting and feel and there's music playing and speaking of like an influential person as far as thinking wow there's music here in town and it's so good, and Chattanooga is so awesome, even it's just way better now, but at that time, it was Jennifer Daniels. She was playing at the Blue Angel Cafe. First off, I thought she was just gorgeous, beautiful, <laughs> and playing this music and all this emotion. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's incredible. So I told my friends when I came back, like, we got to go next week. Mm-hmm. They do this open mic. There's this girl, Jennifer Daniels. Little did I know she was, like, married and... <laughs> You know, had no clue that I was there, but that's that was kind of a thing that that I saw. And so now there's a lot more opportunities to get out and play music in town, not just for open mic, but also venues for bands, all local stuff, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. I already thought, wow, it was so great back then, and then I realized, oh, there's not that much here. Yeah. So it was so cool to see that progression. So as the city's blown up, the right people in the right places, and people in not the right places have said music and art's got to be important. And Chattanooga can embrace that. So that's beautiful. I want to hear more music from you. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, you get to choose whether you do a cover or one of your own songs. All right. Well, I'll do a cover, but... Wait, no, I was going to say... But it's like my own song. I want people to think I wrote it. Mm-hmm. But all right, I just said it's a cover, so... <laughs> so, it, yeah. It's definitely not my song. But this ties into John Ringhoff, where I said it was influential because... He moved out to California like 2000, 2001. Mm -hmm. And so now by that time, he and I actually had enough of a connection. We would talk occasionally. He told me, yeah, I'm moving out, um, mostly to kind of try to do a little more with music. And a friend of mine is doing music out there right now, too, and blah, blah, blah. He's on this label. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, cool, man. Um, He's like, yeah, his name's Sufjan Stevens, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, Suf? 
oh, okay, man. And in my mind, I was thinking like, oh, all right, that's cool, John, but no one knows who that is. Like, this is just some random him. small guy, mm-hmm. 2001. And then a few years later, I realized, oh, snap, like that's, this guy's really great. Yeah. And he's actually a lot more musically out there than mm-hmm. I realized. And so one of my favorite songs now is, is definitely by Sufjan Stevens. So this is a song called Chicago.
Love, I love that song. It's a Me really too. popular one by him. He's great. Yeah, I didn't realize it like years ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, this guy's obscure. Mm-hmm. No one knows about him. I'll just learn one of his songs. And I realized, oh, yeah, people know him. And they should. He's so good. It's the hipster way, you know? <sighs> it became a thing. Those hipsters. <laughs> so, do you have time to play one more? Ooh, okay. Can you squeeze it Let's in? Let's do one more song. Um, but before we go, yeah. I want to say thank you for coming out to the Soundry today to do this interview. Um, thank you, Brett Nolan, for helping produce this show. And um, thank you for everything that you do to help the city and to bring people together in the city. Oh, well, that's. Nice I of really you to say appreciate it. That way. it. It's very small, but I enjoy being a part of whatever's happening and positive mm-hmm. if I can be a part of that. And that's really great because a lot of us, including myself, get caught up in, you know, our little bubble. And we have to remember that there's a bigger bubble out there that we're a part of too. <laughs> well, I'm in a good place because I it's I don't have kids. Yeah. I love kids. I yeah. don't have kids. I'm not married. Yeah. So I have a little more time to yeah. feel like do things. And so thank you. Well, yeah, thanks for doing this. What a cool place. Mm-hmm. I heard about the Soundry for years. even saw pictures occasionally. I was uh-huh. like, man, that looks like a neat... And he, he produces great work. I mean, it's, it's great. He yeah. spends a lot of time on making sure it's exactly what it needs to be. I'm glad you guys were able to collaborate to do this. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool stuff, yeah. Yes. This is a song about my niece. When she was like three, she's 13 now. I think 13? Let's go with 13. When she was three, she came up with this little phrase, which became the chorus for this song. And it was like something we didn't say to her. Something wasn't like a popular phrase, but it was like her little mantra for life. Mm -hmm. So now we've adopted it for years now. I'll get text messages that say this phrase Mm -hmm. as this encouraging little reminder for the day. So it's called The Best I Ever Had Today. This is the best I've ever had. Today, she'll say, yeah, this is the best I've ever had. Today, she'll say, she'll say.
Thank you so much, Shaughnessy. Yes, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Got it. Chattanooga's newest 500 capacity venue, and also Track 29's Kid Sister venue, located on Station Street on the south side of Chattanooga, hosting national, regional, and local talent in a more intimate setting. Check out the Revelry Room calendar at www.revelryroom.co and join our street team, the Dispatchers, to be even more a part of bringing music to Chattanooga. I have actually been on the street team for a couple of years now. I get to go to cool events and get show tickets for free. It's also a great way to meet other people who love music. If you would like more information, feel free to ask. 